Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You feel like when teams found out about the stress reaction, they might have said, well, we, we might wait on them a little bit. Yeah, that probably happened a lot. Uh, you know, so, um, but like I said, God uh, lets things happen for a reason. So just letting that, you know, transpire. I'm cool where I'm at now. I'm actually really happy I'm here, so that's the most important thing. Have you talked to LeBron yet? He's over there. Yeah, I, I talk to LeBron a lot. Yeah, you know, with us being with the same agency, so we always talk a lot. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, after careful consideration of our vocal cords, we too have decided to withdraw from Team USA basketball obligations from this summer's FIBA World Championship play. We thought we'd give the This American Life podcast a shot at making the roster this year, since we know how much it means to them. Also, we signed with Clutch Sports, and they want to protect their newest asset, us, and make sure we're primed and ready for next season. Clutch considers us precious cargo, Allen, which makes a ton of sense. So while you're likely disappointed that we had to withdraw from Team USA play, do you understand the bigger picture here? I really do. I mean, I'm sipping on um, some warm water right now with a little bit of lemon as well as some honey and uh, some ginger root and turmeric. So, uh, you know, we all got to do the things that we got to do to uh, maintain our condition and take care of our bodies. So... Uh, We just got to keep the big picture in mind. Absolutely. So no Lakers Legacy podcast at this year's FIBA World Championship play, but there might be some Kyle Kuzma. So we're hoping for that. Again, exhibition play coming up August 9th, Friday. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, how's that turmeric going for you? It's delicious. It's super underrated, actually. I suggest everybody go, go buy some or start growing it. Exactly. You can also put it all over your body for any ailment you're experiencing, not just throat related. Mm, all over. <laughs> all over. Um, speaking of clutch sports and precious cargo, Alan, tonight we're talking about one of Clutch's youngest clients, one who may not be getting the same pub as LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but one who may inevitably factor into how the Lakers move forward into the future, building out a new young core to support their annual contender. Tonight, we're focusing in on the talented rookie the Lakers drafted this summer. Like I mentioned, he got overshadowed by all the craziness of free agency and all the other new acquisitions the Lakers landed this offseason. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to play in summer league, so that largely contributed to the fact that we kind of just swept him under the rug and forgot about him after being pretty excited about him and the Lakers nabbing a second rounder in this past year's draft. 
But yeah, it's Talon Horton Tucker Knight on the Lakers Legacy Podcast. And tonight we've got on one of his mentors, Chicago Basketball Club co-founder and a Tim Grover disciple, Mr. Tim Brennan, on the show to help us learn more about THT's development and rise in the much-heralded Chicago basketball scene and what we can look forward to in the future with regards to Talon Horton Tucker, even if it might just be with the South Bay Lakers for the first year. But before we get started and before we bring Tim on... As usual, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many times LeBron James will be using Talon Horton Tucker and Costas Antetokounmpo's long-ass arms as human jump ropes for some extra <laughs> unconventional form of cardio exercise. Yeah, try picturing that weird image in your head, Alan. I've got it. Totally got it. I, I wish, I mean, you're very artistic. I feel like you could get into some sort of like animation with that. Can you do that? Can you make it like a flip book version? Oh yeah. No, I'll try. I'll, I mean, I'll storyboard it out. So just imagine Taylor and Costas locking their long lanky arms together to form a human jump rope for LeBron's enjoyment. And there you go. LeBron just happily <laughs> jumping up and down. <laughs> So if you want to see that bizarre image come to pass, please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, if you'd like to help us out financially in any small way and get early listens like this episode during this offseason, please consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar by going to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Also, lastly, we are brought to you by lineups.com. Now, I know when I do that spiel, the call to action can get lost in the corny joke that I typically wrap it in. And it's probably easy to gloss it over and you guys become desensitized to it. But I would really like to implore you to take a few minutes out to go on the iTunes podcast app and rate and review us five stars. That really helps us gain some traction, gain some exposure. So yes, if you appreciate our show and you appreciate the guests that we've been bringing on and will continue to bring on this summer, please do us a favor and rate and review us five stars on iTunes. Say it's lit, say we're corny, say whatever you want as long as it's five stars. And thank you to those who have done so. And thank you to those who have become patrons. We really, really appreciate it. And it keeps us going and lets us know that we have an audience, that you enjoy our content, and also helps me from honestly burning out. And I do this because I love it, but it would also be nice to know that People actually acknowledge and appreciate all of the hard work that we put into pumping out these shows and that we're striving towards something greater and that we're continuing to grow. And you guys can definitely help out in that respect. So thank you to all of our listeners and supporters. We appreciate you guys. We're just asking for a little help with regards to the response to the actual call to action. Alan, before we get to the Tail and Horton Tucker talk, I've got another double foul for you. Love those double fouls. It's the game that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> so quickly, double foul, again, is pretty much a would-you-rather worst-case scenario that has some Lakers ties to it. And it's called double foul because, like in the NBA, double foul is a useless, unnecessary call that just leaves two parties very unhappy. Um, so with that said, let's play double foul, Lakers edition. You ready for this, Alan? I'm always ready. Okay. Out of the following two Lakers most hated players, who <laughs> who would you most be okay with eventually oh God. near the end of their career winning a ring with the Lakers in a washed-up 13th man variety? Foul one, Dwight Howard. Oh, shit. Foul two, Paul George. Uh. 
Uh, oh no! Who are you letting bygones be bygones more for? I need to talk through it. Okay. How, how many how many seconds do I have? Uh, twenty seconds. So so in in both in both cases they're not really contributing to the team, Alan. So they're yeah. just wearing the Lakers jersey. But I mean they both leave a bitter taste in your mouth. But oh. what's less bitter? Ah, <laughs> uh, there's so much of a recency bias. I feel like, mm-hmm. which would mean you know I'm. God, like <laughs> leaning towards Dwight. Okay, but it's only <laughs> this is painful, dude. You know what? Damn it. He did sacrifice a lot because his back was messed up that whole season, mm-hmm. right? Like he really, he really didn't have to do that. So he rushed back from his recovery. Definitely wasn't himself, and it's not because he was just like immature and stupid or soft or whatever like a lot of it had to do with his health Mm -hmm. and yeah it's like if health hadn't been an issue i mean gosh history could be completely different whereas with paul george i mean this freaking guy (laughs) is just all over the place you know um yeah god i'm going with dwight dude nice i I actually agree with you and it it pains me to say that but i don't know if you saw that recent interview where dwight howard pretty much said when kobe called me soft i didn't understand back then but now i do yeah i saw Uh, that so i i guess even his admission of being immature back then and not understanding what kobe said because legitimately he didn't understand what kobe wanted him to do and if you remember he took it as a slight that when that partnership first began kobe was like hey why don't you be our tyson chandler and back then because dwight howard had higher aspirations for himself he took that the wrong way, you know, but Kobe right. was like five miles ahead or maybe more than five miles. He was playing 5D Chinese checkers and <laughs> he knew that Dwight Howard's best role was as a rim rolling cleanup sort of center who played amazing defense like Tyson Chandler. Right. And yeah. so I think I can even get on board with Dwight Howard because it seems like he's let bygones be bygones with regards to the Lakers and even Kobe Bryant and Paul George. I mean, this guy led the Lakers on started making up ridiculous claims like, you know, I didn't want to take a meeting with them because if they really wanted me, they should have traded for me. And he's just like a flip floppity. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a flip flopper who's very fickle, doesn't know how to make up his mind. and He's just a flip boy. He's just a flip boy, and I don't want him to get, I don't want him to keep getting these get out of jail free cards, you know? Like he has been. Yeah. Yeah, dude. He's totally the type of guy to be like, yeah, like the Clippers are the team that I grew up watching, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like I said, Kobe's my guy. He's my favorite player. So I wouldn't rule out the possibility of like playing for the Lakers someday, too. I mean, that that would be amazing. Like he'd say some crap like that, you know, so F that. And he has said that actually in a podcast. But OK, so F that. we agree. We, we'd bite the bullet and say Dwight Howard at some point near the end of your D12. career, which is right now, the end of your career is now, <laughs> you can win a championship with the Lakers. So Forget Andre Iguodala. <laughs> Let's all in for Dwight. These double fouls are okay to, to stomach because they don't actually happen, Alan. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, so there you go. That is this episode's double foul. We'll take it to break, pitch it to our sponsors, and when we return, we will talk a little bit about Taylor Horton Tucker, what we're most excited about, even though we haven't even seen him play in Summer League, and then we'll usher in my interview with Tim Brennan. So we'll take it to break first. 
All right, Alan, so let's talk about Taylor Horton Tucker. We are dying of any new footage that we can get of this guy because we were so he was such a tantalizing prospect when we watched his highlights for the first time upon the Lakers drafting him. Biggest thing that stood out was his length and maybe his um caboose. <laughs> I don't know how to I don't know how to talk about this in an appropriate way, but he, he's a sturdily built guy, right? And for obvious reasons, due to the stress reaction he was dealing with even prior to the draft, he wasn't able to play in summer league. And I think just naturally we forgot about him, and he got lost in the thick of this crazy, crazy summer and free agency and the Kawhi chase and all that. But now that we are in the dead zone of summer, and since Taylor Horton Tucker is one of the few guys on our roster who can legitimately be considered a young project with upside, we thought we'd give him his time in the spotlight and profile him rightly this offseason. Um, so, Alan, before I get to your thoughts on Taylor Horton Tucker, some quick info on him. Here are his measurables. He's 6'4", 7'1", wingspan. And that, that difference between height and wingspan, by the way, is the largest difference in this past year's uh, draft class, even more so than Taco Fall. So, I mean, that's just crazy to think about. Um, I think Jonathan Gavoni said that with regards to the measurements of players that they took at uh, this year's combine, Taylor Horton Tucker is like the biggest outlier in the context of their database, which includes thousands of entries. Actually, so so it may not even just be this year's draft class. So him just having a seven foot one wingspan at his height is kind of crazy, but tack on top of that the fact that he's 235 pounds (laughs) so this guy's like bulky right he's such a unique prospect and one that could be very versatile down the road if you just imagine him in an nba strength and conditioning regiment and diet during his freshman year at iowa state he averaged 12 points five rebounds 2.3 assists kind of showing that all-around game Um, He's still only 18, which is really crazy to think about. He is the youngest player in this past year's draft. So there's a lot to like about Taylor Horton Tucker. The stress reaction probably had to do with, you know, maybe him being a little out of shape, maybe needing to get his body right. But I have no doubt that that's going to come around once he gets to the NBA, once he gets in with the Lakers and Judy Sato and all those guys. So, Alan, my quick question to you is, what makes you most intrigued about Taylor Horton Tucker? What have you seen in his game from the highlights that you've watched? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we said back on draft night, you look at his body, you look at his build, and if you were just standing there, you know, and you just looked at him wearing like a basketball jersey and uniform, you'd be like, okay, I'm anticipating that this guy, despite his height, <laughs> might play a lot in the post. Um, he's probably like a catch-and-shoot type guy, not very mobile whatsoever. Um, and yeah, I think that that's like what you'd expect, right? Mm-hmm. But as you said, like he he's like sneaky athletic, and I hate to use like that phrase because it's so overly used, but again, like looks are deceiving. He has a really tight spin move like that's something Mm -hmm. that I noticed just in watching several different highlight films it it seems like it's one of his uh tricks you know that's like in his bag and he's got a really tight handle too um some player comps that stood out to me way back on draft night which was whatever like a month and a half ago now um a little bit of Andre Miller in there, and I think that's sort of like that old man game that we're referring to. But he's he's way more athletic than Andre oh, Miller. Yes. Like, don't get us wrong, right? Like, you think Andre Miller, it's like, okay, that's old man YMCA, uh, church league type thing. And, like, THT's got that, but that's not all he is. 
Um, I do see some, despite the difference in body type, a little bit of Anton Jameson in there. The finishing. Anton, yeah, exactly. So Anton Jameson, right, like he's known for his uh, really unorthodox finishes at the rim, um, very unpredictable as to when he's going to get a shot up. Like he could be dribbling around the basket in the paint, and then he'll just sort of flip it up, like kind of offhand. Um, body's not squared up to the basket, things like that. So I, I think – you know, despite his lack of height, he could get into the paint and actually have some success amongst the bigs because of that unpredictability. Um, and of course he can shoot, right? Yeah. So I don't have like the numbers right in front of me right now, but uh, if you watch some of his college highlights, he's bombing it from three. He's got a nice looking stroke. So yeah, those are things that stand out to me about THD. And also, fun fact, mm-hmm. and I won't say who it is, I know who is uh, currently helping to manage his money. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, someone someone texted me the other day, and they're like, oh, just FYI, so-and-so is managing THT's finances. I was like, oh, awesome. We got sauces, everybody. <laughs> um, so for me, you know, I agree with everything you said. I would say he gives off the impression that he's sneaky athletic because he's so skilled. And so most of the time he's using his skill around the court to do these Euro steps and spin moves into the lane and then flipping it up reverse style and loopy doing it up against defenders for these incredible finishes. But when you see some of his highlights in high school and, and take into account that this guy is not even a finished product when it comes to his body makeup, you know? The fact that this dude's like jumping over guys, not only jumping over them for poster dunks, literally, literally, literally jumping over guys and jumping over them for blocks as well. So, I mean, even just the defensive upside that he can bring with his long arms is incredible. So this guy's just athletic. I wouldn't say I wouldn't make this apples to apples comparison, but you know how James Harden is sneaky athletic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all of a okay. sudden, he'll just throw down a tomahawk jam out of nowhere, you know? For sure. That's a, I, I really like that comp, despite really disliking James Harden's game. I mean, he's not as athletic as that, but he... He's the next James Harden, yeah. you said it. <laughs> Hot take. But actually, I don't know Taylor Horton Tucker's ceiling, because he's doing this at 235 with some baby fat on. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's kind of crazy to think about. So, mm. for me, he's, he's kind of like a longer, more polished and versatile Dion Waiters. You know, because they're both 6'4". Okay. They both got that booty. Big booty. Yeah, I got big booty. <laughs> big booty number one. Number one, number two. <laughs> number two, number three. Three, number six. Okay. Uh, it's a band camp game, everybody. So he reminds me of maybe the Dion Waiters that LeBron always wanted. LeBron played with Dion Waiters for a few months and then shipped his ass off. But I think LeBron is going to have a much better time playing alongside Taylor Horton Tucker, fellow clutch client. And, man, if he can really get that three-point shot down, uh, I know he didn't shoot a great percentage in college, but like we mentioned, the mechanics are all there. Maybe he ends up becoming, like, a Marcus Smart-Eric Gordon hybrid. I know these are crazy ceilings, but, I mean, I am just... His upside is tantalizing. He's got, like you mentioned, tight dribble, very polished, um, nifty finishes, quirky finishes inside the lane against defenders. And because he has such long arms, he can just dunk the ball out of nowhere without you expecting it. Um, my last question to you with regards to Taylor Horton Tucker, in spite of how amped we are to talk about him, is next year the objective has changed for the Lakers in terms of its championship or bust time, and we have a lot of new depth, and that largely pushes Taylor Horton Tucker down to the 
13th, 14th, 15th inactive man spot. Um, and he'll largely be spending his time in the G League with the South Bay Lakers. But do you foresee him actually having a role next season, given the fact that we only signed him on to two years? How do you see this playing out for him? Do you think he'll eventually just become a casualty like Svi, Mo Wagner, Bonga? Or because of his potential and how much promise that he has, maybe there's something more there? Yeah. Um, I mean, I really don't know. Uh, as far as the immediate future this season, I have a hard time envisioning him playing a significant role. And by significant, I even mean like, you know, six or seven minutes off the bench um, just to knock down a shot here or there. Um, if anything, like a Jared Dudley is almost that kind of guy for us. And he's a vet. So it's almost like back in the Phil Jackson era, you know, when we would have our draft picks just sitting there all season long because they're rookies. Now with Phil, it was more of like a principal thing. I feel like with us, um, I, I just feel like if he is getting significant run, it's because something didn't necessarily go according to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, now long-term, like you said, he did sign a two-year contract, uh, if he became a casualty like the guys you mentioned, unfortunately, like I wouldn't be terribly surprised, you know? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Yeah, that's fair. I think the best case scenario for him next year is he gets in shape, gets a ton of run in the G league, shows a lot of promising signs the way that Caruso, Jonathan Williams did. And throughout the course of an NBA season, people are going to go down and it's up to Taylor Horton Tucker to seize the opportunity. If he gets that chance And with the team we've constructed, I mean, I'm hoping for more blowouts than we've ever had the last few seasons, right? If if everything goes according to plan. And with that should come some garbage time for Taylor Horton Tucker. And if he can really show something in those minutes that he eventually gets, maybe that leads to two minutes stint at the end of the first quarter, you know, and that's that sort of begins to build up. And he uses that momentum into the second year to really carve out a role. So that's at least what I'm hoping for. And on a team where it's almost, when it comes to our ball handlers, it's almost like playmaking guard by committee. And THT actually has some ball handling chops and shake to him that could prove useful to this team one way or another. Maybe that happens more during his second year, but I think he could be that microwave type scorer on a team that doesn't really have a lot of primary initiators. It's up to him to gain Frank Vogel's trust. But yeah, I I also think maybe the fact that he's a clutch client um, may help him get more more of a shot earlier than usual or earlier than expected. And maybe the fact that we only have him on for two years because of our cap situation, maybe there's a sense of urgency for the Lakers to get a good look at him, right? Because if they don't really take advantage of that this year or even at the start of next year, you know, year two will have gone by and they're like, uh, what do we do with this guy? Maybe that will lend to him getting a couple more minutes And also keep in mind that the Lakers invested capital and money in this guy. They paid $2.2 million to get get him and get the 46th pick in the draft. Uh, By comparison, they paid $1.8 million back in 2014 to the Wizards to get Jordan Clarkson. So they paid even more for Taylor Horton Tucker. So maybe there's hope there because they invested in him that they'll give him more of a shot sooner than anybody expects. But we'll see. Again, it's up to him. Uh, It's up to the context of this season and whether the Lakers sustain injuries. But when it comes to like young guys contributing on championship teams, if you remember LeBron James history, and granted, 
you know, this roster is much different from the ones he had with Cleveland, but guys like Booby Gibson, who were very young. I think Booby Gibson was a rookie when he was reigning threes for the Cavs, you know, in the finals. Uh, Della Vadova was pretty young when he first played with LeBron James. Even guys like Jordan Bell and Pat McCaw made contributions for Golden State throughout the year, uh, in spite of being raw. Championship teams need cheap on the fringe help, and that's exactly what Taylor Horton Tucker is. So if he gets a shot, if he gets the opportunity and he hits it out of the park, maybe he could become the next Pat McCaw or next Della Vadova or Booby Gibson. We'll just, we'll just have to see. And like I mentioned, if the Lakers are as good as we think they are, we will also have way more blowout games than usual next season, and hopefully Taylor Horton Tucker will take advantage. Alan, any last words? Uh, no, I mean, I like those comps. Like you said, the Booby Gibsons and uh, those other guys just helping out during deep playoff runs because you never know. Like, besides injuries, I mean, what if, like, like when Steve Kerr would insert those guys, we'd all kind of raise an eyebrow, like, huh? Like, you're putting in this young, experienced, raw dude for this big moment. And then so many times they end up actually contributing and sparking the team, providing that type of energy. So, uh, as you said, if he can prove himself in garbage time, things like that, that he could be that type of guy, there's absolutely value there. So yeah, I do like that point. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to turn it over now to my interview with Chicago Basketball Club's co-founder, Tim Brennan. He gives us a lot of really good insight into how Talon came up in the Chicago basketball system, what Chicago basketball means to him. If you remember, Anthony Davis is also from Chi-Town, and so is Zach Norvell. Zach Norvell actually played with Taylor Horton Tucker at Simeon, the high school that he played at. So there's a lot of really good content in there, and he gives us his outlook and projection for such a talented and unique player like THT. So we'll pitch it to our sponsors one more time, and when we come back, my interview with Tim Brennan. All right, tonight we're pleased to have on former Division I basketball player for the Western Michigan Broncos and current founder of the Chicago Basketball Club, Tim Brennan. The Chicago Basketball Club provides a training home for up-and-coming local basketball prospects, not the least of which include Lakers' new rookie, Taylor Horton Tucker. Tim Brennan, like I said, heads that up. So, Tim, thanks for hopping on with us tonight. How's your summer going? And also, when it comes to Chicago-based deep-dish pizza, Lumalnati's or Giordano's? It's going good, you know, enjoying the, the bit of summer that we've had here so far in Chicago. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much a beach city. So once we're out here, it's kind of nice during the summer. Um, I'm personally a fan of Lou Malnati's. We, uh, nice. we actually used to play one of the uh, one of the coaches was a co-owner of it. So after one of the games, we always eat uh, Lou Malnati's and that kind of won my heart. So I'm always a fan of free pizza. Perfect. No, yeah. When I was out in Chicago like two years ago, it was my first time. I, I didn't try Giordano's. I tried Lou Malnati's and... Uh, yeah, I would I would concur. It's pretty bomb. Yeah, gotta get the butter crust. Oh, for sure. I didn't eat anything else after that because <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was very filling. But I mean, it it hit the 100%. spot for sure. Hey, with that said, thanks once again for hopping on. Before we get into the Taylor Horton Tucker stuff, can you give us a quick elevator pitch on what sparked you to form the Chicago Basketball Club? What the Chicago Basketball Club is first and foremost, and I guess what your guys' mission statement and goal is. Yeah. So. Um... So I'm born and raised here in Chicago. Uh, used to work at Attack Athletics with Tim Grover. Really saw how, you know, he had this super elite program. And, you know, I was like, man, like, I mean, wearing shorts and a T-shirt to work ain't half bad every day. <laughs> um, you know, my passion was always in basketball. You know, grew up playing with Sonny Parker Youth Foundation and really seeing what it was to be involved in the community. And then once I graduated from Western Michigan, uh, my co-founder and I, Dylan Kramer, who I, you know, met up 
with uh, working out a couple times. And, you know, he'd already had Chicago Basketball Club name started. But I was like, yo, like, this is really the direction we can take it. Like, when I was growing up down in – I used to play all over the city, Washington Square Park, Columbus Park, you know, name any of these spots to some guys here from the city, and they're going to know exactly where it is and exactly what it's all about. I was like, we used to have like 15 plus division one guys just coming in, you know, getting some work in and then we'd all scrimmage afterwards. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's just not around anymore. And, you know, I really wanted to be able to provide an, uh, an opportunity for these kids to, you know, experience some of the things that I've definitely experienced, but also growing up, you know, kind of mentoring under Tim, seeing all the things that he provided for his athletes, you know, how he had everything under one shop. I was like, well, there's no reason we can't do that here. And there's, surprisingly no place that it had it done sure you know and so we're really out there to give these kids the best opportunity and introduce them to pro level you know stuff when they're you know sophomores juniors in high school and then you know these kids are a lot of them are such great kids that you people just have these stigmas of people from chicago which are just completely not true but these kids are so quick to absorb and learn and you know you give them the opportunities you'd be amazed at how many kids are fighting and scrounging just to be able to get you know we have kids that drive 45 minutes an hour just to come to our open gyms just because they know the quality is going to be that high wow. and we get them all this stuff afterwards oh that's awesome and i'm glad that you were able to kind of bring the chicago basketball club and flesh it out a bit more and uh able to embed some of your vision and insight into that that's really cool um, with regards to that can you give us some insight into quote-unquote Chicago basketball and the rich history behind that phrase outside of the obvious you know Michael Jordan played for the Bulls but he wasn't a homegrown player there you know in Los Angeles we have our own basketball scene New York has its own basketball scene obviously but what's the basketball scene like in Chicago and with homegrown guys like Dwayne Wade and Anthony Davis who's now on the Lakers as well what is Chicago basketball to you I mean it's you can't mention the word basketball without saying Chicago in it you know, it's you got so much talent here. And it's not even like the guys that, you know, you just mentioned. It's, you know, Paul McPherson's, Will Bynum's that maybe weren't on that great big of a stage. But the, you come to Chicago and you're going to know who they are. Sean Marion, mm-hmm. Bobby Simmons. And a lot of these guys stay around. Like, they're growing up. They're going to the parks. You know, Foster Park, where we used to train, it's, they have a Saturday uh, morning run. And it's legendary. You know, Jabari Parker used to go there when he was up and coming. All these guys go there up and coming. And you... I mean, Jordan definitely, you know, kind of solidified that wave where it's like, all right, Chicago is that spot. But you got the Benji Williams and all of them, Benji Wilson, sorry, and all of them that really were the, the guys that didn't make it out. Like, we have a lot of stories of people that didn't make it. And sadly, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's part of the tragedy of that. But we still have that talent. We still have, you know, you can't, you can't go to any gym and not have some kid try and pick up a basketball and, and play. It's ingrained in our culture. <laughs> Yeah, and it seems like anybody that comes out of Chicago also carries that pride with them. I think Anthony Davis in a recent interview just said, you know, he'd love to come and play for the Bulls. Obviously, as a Lakers fan, we're, we're quaking in our shoes right now hearing that statement. But, you know, him just saying that for him, Chicago is the mecca of basketball and, you know, just carrying that pride with them wherever they go. Patrick Beverly and all those kind of guys right, right. Have, have that grit, that grind that you're not going to beat us because, you know, they always say the Midwest is it's a gritty place and it's a hundred percent in our DNA. Absolutely. With that said, I'd like to steer the direction more towards the Lakers newest rookie, Taylor Horton Tucker and ask you, I guess, what's the extent of your relationship with THT? Uh, when and how did you begin working with him? And uh, did you kind of, 
were you able to kind of see the progression of his uh, basketball career having grown up in Chicago and going to Simeon? That's Simeon. Just, that was high school, right? Simeon, okay. Yeah. So I actually first saw Talon when, uh, when I came back. So I graduated four years ago, so he was a sophomore, freshman going into the sophomore. And I saw him playing. He was uh, at Whitney Young at like a you know sophomore fall league. I'm like, this kid is far too good to be out here. Mm-hmm. You know, still, he, was, he was a little chunky. I was like, man, once this kid grows into his frame, he's going to be a monster. You know, and then, you know, I've been working my relationships since I grew up playing down there uh, from time to time. You know, stop by games and, you know, really been uh, working with a lot of guys that had gone to Simeon. And, you know, a lot of things here in Chicago are, you know, people start with people from sixth grade. and You know, you kind of work your way in. And I was blessed enough to have people that were introducing me to him. And he's been uh been going through basketball stuff, but I helped him out in the weight room um, after his senior year for a little bit before he went to uh, Ball is Life camp and did all his traveling. And I've really taken on more of a mentor role with him just because, you know, ever since he went to Iowa State, then he was out with his people at Clutch. Um, but, you know, anytime he has a question or he's kind of like concerned about something, you know, I know I'm going to hear that phone ring. That's awesome. And like you said, I'm sure he uses Chicago Basketball Club as that safe haven during the off seasons or whether he's prepping for something. Um, so it's a great resource for, you know, up and coming basketball players like Talon Horton Tucker. As a 6'5 guard yourself, what are your impressions of Talon's unique game and what stands out the most to you? Obviously, the first thing that people will notice is his unique physical build and how long his arms are and how He's sturdily built. I'll I'll put it that way. Hundred um, percent. And with that said, I mean, does the word versatility play into that? Hundred percent. The first time I actually got him in the weight room, you know, he he'd never lifted or anything like that, and I was like, all right, let's you know, let's test out some weights. Let's see what you can do. And I was just like, man, is he strong? Like for someone that's never even you know had never even lifted like that, and now he's got a year of lifting at uh, Iowa State underneath their belt, underneath his belt. And I think you're just going to continue to see a transformation because that's who this kid is. He's all about it. You know, he'll go to the gym at one in the morning just to get up shots sort of kid. Um, and I see him and his versatility. He's, he's deceptively quick. You know, he uses his body magnificently and his variety of finishes are just like, wow. Yeah. You know, like when you really get him in open court, you know, I got to see him play uh, obviously during our open gyms and stuff like that. But a little more recently, we were just messing around. And, you know, we were just, you know, let's see what you can do. He's being super explosive. He's three-point shots looking amazing. And I, I see it, you know, obviously everyone has to get adjusted to the speed of the NBA, and that's just something that all rookies go through. Sure. But, you know, I think his assets are going to be he's bigger, stronger than some of the guys that he'll be matched up against. Um, and he'll be able to use that, his body and all that kind of stuff, just to be able to get to where he needs to. And his shot is really developed really developed. So I think mm-hmm. he's going to be an excellent spacer for the Lakers and, you know, just be young, go out there, run, you know, <laughs> LeBron's going to do what he does. All the other guys are going to do what they do. But if you can, if you can bring something to that, that group where you can space, you can push the tempo and kind of help those guys, you know, maybe take a break every once now and again, I think that's going to be a perfect role for him because he can adapt to mm-hmm. whatever's needed of him. Absolutely. And, you know, I think some people would maybe consider Talon, quote unquote raw right now but I like that he already has some very unique fundamental skills to him and I think usually when you when you see prospects with length and long arms you know it could go one of two ways are they awkward with their lankiness but Talon seems to know how to use his long arms like you mentioned to 
go into the lane and put up these nifty finishes where defenders are not really sure how to defend that because he actually knows how to use his length. Right. And I think that's the thing that stood out to me where it's like, He's sneaky explosive sometimes, but other times he almost has that very crafty old man game where he's just like weaving 100%. in and out of the defense. And then all of a sudden you see his long arms pop out the other end and you're like, whoa, how do you do that? So I'm super impressed by that. Um, what were your thoughts on Talon's time at uh, Iowa State if you were able to watch a lot of him in college? You know, he only played one year there. Do you think he was used correctly? Do you think he was able to show everything he wanted to show? Uh, I definitely think he's going to be a better NBA player than he was in college just because of the way that he can manipulate people in space and really okay. get to the basket because he's going to have more opportunity to do that. And then especially with the spacing that he'll be afforded with LeBron and AD, mm-hmm. and Caruso and Danny Green and all of them on the court, you're really going to be able to see him shine. Um, you know, Iowa State, I, you know, they, they're an up-tempo team. They also had three guys, four guys trying to go to the NBA. So, sure, you know, it's it's – it's kind of a get mine, get yours sort of thing from time to time. Um, but, you know, with everyone having their contract here and everyone on the same, you know, now the same path to, all right, we can actually win a championship this year. Let's, you know, we're going to have to find our role. We're going to have to get really good at it. I think that he's going to have a much better pro career than he had a college career. And he had a magnificent college career, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, for a first-year player, for sure. What What are your thoughts on him actually getting drafted by the Lakers and and first off you know he kind of slipped all the way to the second round even though some draft scouts had him as a first round talent uh do you have any opinion on what possibly contributed to that obviously Lakers fans are still kind of thirsty we haven't been able to watch him play because I know he had like a stress reaction that kind of impeded him from playing in summer league this year but in your opinion what do you think may have led to him sort of slipping and then once he slipped and then you realize the team that he was going to and the immense opportunity he had um what were your thoughts of that you know obviously i was sitting there watching waiting for him to be called um you know but i think that where he landed is a great opportunity for him and you know the other 30 teams in the nba are going to be mad that they passed on him you know especially with him being with clutch and him having been around lebron and having been around ad during his pre-draft process and all that stuff there's just a natural chemistry that's going to be there. And, you know, I think that that's something that can't be underestimated when going into a completely new situation. Like, yeah, you know, you're in the NBA and all this kind of stuff, but being able to have that relationship with the two best players and then being able to meld that into everything around uh, is going to be, I can't, I can't even put words on it. You're, <laughs> going to be able to know, you're going to be able to know where someone's going to be just based off, you know, the, the natural communication and level of trust that you have some, with someone. Absolutely. You've kind of touched upon it, but obviously because he's going into an almost ready-made team with the Lakers, do you think it's going to be a hard adjustment period for him to, you know, you can look at it one of two ways. One, you're entering into a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and LeBron James has made players like Damon Jones, Booby Gibson, you know, Matthew right. Dellavedova into complementary solid role players who can actually contribute to winning basketball, right? So on the one end, you look at Taylor Horton Tucker and already see the God-given abilities that he has, and you're like, oh, no-brainer. He has an immense opportunity here to be mentored by some of the best and even maybe get his development expedited or amplified right but on the other hand as a player you also want to play and um how do you think he'll kind of grapple and deal with the fact that you know i it my opportunities may be sparse maybe i'm playing in the g league for most of the time how am i going to make my mark i guess knowing what you know about Talon, how do you think he's going to balance out 
the benefits of maybe learning under LeBron James and Anthony Davis, even if it's not necessarily on the basketball court, and then weighing that with, oh man, I might not get that much playing time. You know, I, as, as a player, you, you can't necessarily look at the I won't get any playing time because you have to believe in yourself at all times. Sure. Right? That's you, know, fair. you have to go out there and battle every day and, you know, wherever the coach decides, you're going to, and if it's not the decision that you want, you're going to have to try and change it day by day. And uh, that's who he is. I, I can guarantee you <laughs> when he gets a place out there, it's going to be next to the practice facility and he's going to be in there every day working on everything that they're telling him that he needs to improve upon in order to get to the court. Cause you know, this is, you know, with that being said, that might be a new situation for him, you know, having mm-hmm. to come off the bench and having to, you know, not, not battle battles, not going to be anything new for him. He's, you know, from, he's from the North side of Chicago, went to Simeon. <laughs> it's, that's something that's ingrained in our DNA is to fight every day. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting opportunity for him. I think that, the having to struggle is what's really going to make him grow as a person, as a player. Sure. And I think that he's going to really wrap himself around that and, you know, embrace that grind. Cause you know, it's, it's something that's not new to us. It's an, I actually personally would enjoy the challenge of, all right, what are you going to come in and do? What are you going to be able to do for us? Well, let mm-hmm. me show you firsthand. You know, I, I've seen his shot first, his three pointer firsthand and how it's improved in just, you know, a couple months. I can't, you know, imagine what it's going to be like when, that's literally his only job is to go in and shoot, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. All right, listen, you know, I got an off day today. I got some free time, got a couple hours. I'm going to go in and get a thousand shots up, work on this stuff, you know, get some reps in with LeBron, do all this, you know, pick his brain. Cause he's a super smart kid as well. He's always asking questions, always trying to, you know, figure out what he can be doing better. You know, like uh, during one of our open gyms, he came over to me. He's like, you know, well, what, what are you seeing? What can I improve upon? What are we doing on this? And it's like, Sometimes you don't find that in kids. Like, you know, you get the kids that think that they're all this, that, and the third. You know, that's, that is not him. The, one of the most humble kids I've ever met. He's a great kid. I that's awesome. I can't, I can't elaborate that enough about Taylor. Wow, that, that's some great insight. Now, and I, I'm, I'm really encouraged by how much you're kind of just emphasizing his shooting. I know he didn't shoot a great percentage in college, but you look at his shot mechanically and you're like, that thing's fluid. And whenever it goes in, it's super wet, you know? So it's probably just a matter of reps and continuing to hone that part of his game in. But, 100%. you know, when you're a rookie and you're trying to make it in the NBA, the one thing that will usually keep you on the court outside of, you know, maybe being able to shoot well is, is defense. And I think... With Talon, he has such a unique build and these long arms. Um, you know, some people have almost compared his 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 physique to like a shorter Draymond Green. What have you seen out of him and the potential that he can bring on the defensive end once he gets in some you know NBA strength and conditioning training and and you know is on that regiment that an that an NBA team will put him on? What do you see in his potential there on the defensive end? I mean, I think he can be disruptive. I really do. I mean, that length. I mean, mind you, NBA guys are a little more used to length than college guys, but sure. that length is something that you kind of, oh, oh, he can get to that ball. He can, mm-hmm. <laughs> he can actually do that. You know, he rebounds well for his position. Um, you know, he does the little things. I, I think that he's going to be one of those guys that's going to, you know, get in the defense. He's going to be smart on his rotations. He's going to cover where he needs to cover. Um, you know, I think that, you know, and that, I mean, disrupting shots is going to be a big factor for him. Plus, you know, as I said, with that sneaky athleticism, he can come across on a weak side and get to some things where you're kind of like, oh, oh okay, <laughs> all right, here we go. Right. Um, but no, I think, you know, I don't, obviously that's my guy, so I'm going to, I'm going to hype him up every chance I get. But, um, 
I definitely see it. You know, obviously it's going to take a little bit of adjustment. There's going to be some some cogs turning as any as any young kid. He's only 18. He's not going to be 19, 19 till partway through the season. I think he's the um, youngest player in the draft this year, actually. Yeah, he it's was. crazy. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he didn't turn 18 until partway through the Maui tournament. Wow. Uh, but, uh, you know, and just his ability to absorb. And, you know, I think once he's – I think the biggest transition will come once he starts practice. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's where you get your first opportunity for him to to see those NBA guards, see what they're really doing, see what Alec Caruso is doing, see what Rajon Rondo's doing, see what Avery Bradley's doing. Almost forgot Avery Bradley. He's going to be like a sponge on Avery Bradley if he, right? You know, learning all those defensive tips and how to really di- be disruptive like that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I I think that it's going to be a transition as it is with any any good young player, but I, I expect it to be a very quick one for him. Yeah, totally. Um. Leading up to the draft, I'm sure he was at your facility a lot and uh, prepping for that. Was there anything specifically he was trying to work on before reaching that next level or something that he wanted to show off during the combine or, or workouts that, that you're aware of? Uh, so he did his pre-draft with Clutch out in L.A. But right. uh, we were talking and, you know, uh, he was doing a lot of you know, shooting threes, pick and rolls, working on his uh, agility and stuff like that. But one of the main things that we had been talking about was, you know, really, really emphasizing the pick and roll, getting that down since, you know, now every it's the staple of every NBA offense, and be able to catch and shoot threes, you know, and really, really working on, his, you know, maintaining a healthy diet, um, you know, because as a college kid, there's only so much you can do for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, really trying to lean up, become more explosive. You know, I mean, I've, I watched him before his senior year he couldn't you know couldn't jump off off one and go between the legs now you know during his senior year he's jumping over kids i don't know if you saw that uh slam online uh, i did not that he, yeah he uh at marshall he jumped over a kid okay um i, I gotta look that up <laughs> yeah I'll, uh, i can send you the link on uh instagram or something like yeah, that Yeah, no, that'd be great but you know i've really seen him start to develop and that's that was with one year of being able to really you know focus on his body and Right. I'm not saying that he wasn't in high school, but, you know, there's so many things that kids don't know that that's one of the other parts. That's why we teamed up with the Bulls nutritionist for Chicago Basketball Club to mm. really get our kids, you know, the exposure to, all right, well, this is what you should be eating. This is how you should be taking care of your body. And it's just a whole bunch of new things that he's going to have access to and opportunity to that I think, you know, that's, that's the low-hanging fruit, in my opinion. Like, that's the stuff that you can knock out and, you know, yeah, it sucks in some sense because you have to eat food that you might not normally want to eat but right. you know it's good for you but that's the stuff that can translate so quickly and you know have some of the biggest difference for these kids is once they actually get in this opportunity and uh can really afford the lifestyle that they need to live no and i really like it, it sounds like you guys attack it from a very holistic approach of it's it's not just basketball but here are the intangibles and the supplementary things that help guys actually succeed beyond you know just this gym so I like that you brought that up, the nutrition aspect of things. And I think, like I mentioned before, Taylor Horton Tucker getting on this regiment that the Lakers will eventually put him on and, you know, couple that with his, the work ethic that you described. I mean, he's already got the skills. He's already got the frame. You just chisel that down. And I mean, that could be a lethal weapon on on both ends of the court. When when you were playing in um, Western, is it Western Michigan? Yep. Were you a shooting guard or, or a point guard? I was shooting guard, small forward. Okay, shooting guard, small forward. With regards to 
playing on the perimeter, does Taylor Horton Tucker have potential as a as someone who can play make a little bit? I know you said he worked on, out of pick and roll a lot, um, but can you talk about his vision? And, and you know, I, I know he's a very shifty ball handler, uh, but but yeah, any potential as a playmaker? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, the one of the biggest knocks that they had against him is he shot tough shots. Now, my opinion is if you can shoot tough shots and you can eventually make those tough shots. That's what mm-hmm. he's working towards, and he already has the ability to get to a spot, get a shot off in a situation where you might not think that he can. Giving him more reps, giving him more time, he's going to make those shots. Now, one of the things that you know I was very impressed with when, as I got to know him, was his vision. You know, mm-hmm. he'll be coming down, uh, make a little drop pass, throw a oop. I mean, he's, you know, I I honestly think you know just giving him more time and opportunity to be successful, you're going to start to see more of that. Because his, I mean, his vision is, I mean, I'm going to have to send you some of his Iowa State highlights. Sure. You know, he's making a spin move, jumping up, wrapping it around the big, dumping it off to his big for, you know, easy two points for him. You know, and given, you know, he can drive to the basket. He's super, he's super good at reading where the defense is going to collapse and being able to hit that guy, you know, be able to make the swing, swing pass, get the open guy. And, you know, I keep referring back to him putting him around more talent, but once you put him in a situation where, you know, no offense to the guys that were at Iowa State, don't get me wrong, but they're not Danny Green, they're not Rajon Rondo, <laughs> they're not LeBron James, they're not Anthony Davis. Sure. You know? And just given an opportunity to be around more talented players, you're going to start to see these aspects of his game shine even further. Right. Um, so let's talk about, I guess, some of his weaknesses where we'll just neutralize the conversation a bit because he is your guy. We've been pumping him up, rightfully so. Um, but in your opinion, what are some of, uh, yeah, some of the weaknesses that you've seen from Taylor Horton Tucker thus far that he can improve upon in the next level? I think from the limited video that I've seen, it's both a blessing and a curse that he has the handle that he does have because, Mm -hmm. and the long arms that he does have, because I see him yo-yo that ball and he has a crazy step back jumper that just eludes defenders. And it's great to see in the highlights, but I can imagine too, that maybe as with any young player, right? Probably shot selection. He could improve that. Um, Maybe he gets a little too Rucker Park-ish out there because like you mentioned, he does have that talent and he's trying to probably exhibit it and probably explore the space that he has with the dribbles and handles that he has. I'm sure that'll be shored up in time. But but yeah, in your opinion, going off of that, what are some things that you think that he could improve upon and continue to kind of craft and hone? That, you know, being selective about the tough shots. Uh, But you know, he's also not going to have necessarily that role. So he's going to have an right. opportunity to really learn and grow within that and kind of, you know, and then watch other players and see how they're doing it and kind of pick up those tips. Cause you know, um, well, one other thing that I think that he'll, I mean, obviously just getting adjusted to the new speed of the game, being able to figure out, all right, well, this guy's tendency is, you know, all right, I need to play this guy like this. All right. I need to figure out how far, how close I need to be on certain players, just given, you know, my abilities and my, what I can do and what efforts I've been given laterally or what have you like that. But I think that those are going to be the two things that he'll need to improve upon, but I don't see it being an issue for that long. Right, right. I like what you mentioned earlier where where you were talking about your perspective on him hitting tough shots where that's usually a knock against him. But I think what you're trying to say too, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like 
his ability to hit those tough shots is almost like a little peek and window into his ceiling if he ever is 100%. able to, you know, bring everything together. So Right. Not every player is able to create the space in order to take those tough shots, let alone make those tough shots. That's just an ability that, that he's been blessed with. Right. And I think in his first few years with the Lakers, especially under a veteran group like this, him just nailing down the fundamentals, I think, will only increase his opportunity in the future, but also allow him to showcase more of that stuff. So I'm very encouraged and very excited. Lastly, just, yeah, go ahead. To add on to that. Absolutely. Being able to pick up, pick up on those little tips from other players like, hey, if you do this, when you do this, I think that that's going to even further his ability to make those tough shots even easier on himself because he's now being more efficient and effective at what he was doing previously. Right, right. I'm getting excited, man. I think one other thing that I just thought about is because of his frame, I mean, let's talk about him being able to post up smaller guards. 100%. 100%. And, <laughs> you know, we I've, I've watched him work on it, worked on it a little bit with him. Um, you know, it's just going to be uh, – it's like trying to learn a new position. Like you're like, all right, well, I need to figure this out a little bit. I need to – you know, because he never really had to do that in high school or college. You know, he's always up at the top, especially at Simeon. He was doing whatever he wanted at Simeon. He's scoring <laughs> at will. But, um, you know, being able to add that to his game, especially, you know, if he gets stuck on someone that's, you know, six foot, six one, but most of the guys that are that height are going to be smaller than him unless it's Kyle Lowry who's a tank. <laughs> and then that length, being able to fade away and keep that shot away from everyone is going to, you know, allow him easy points. And one of the things that I always talk to our players about is, all right, well, let's find ways that you can score in a given situation because – you know, unless you're the ultra elite player, you're not going to be able to score the same way almost every game. You know, unless you're Kyle Corvey, who know you're going to be shooting threes. J.J. Redick, you know you're going to be shooting threes. All right, well, today I have a smaller guard on me. Let me take him down to the mid post, work that. And then once I get that going, I can kind of step out to my other games and work it that way because, you know, you got to be able to find, figure out how you're going to work in each game and make yourself, you know, the most successful that you can be. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, okay, so well, to close the show, I wanted to just ask you about your thoughts on the Lakers in general. Anthony Davis, uh, he's from Chicago as well, grew up in that system. Uh, your thoughts on Anthony Davis pairing up with, you know, probably the greatest player in the NBA, LeBron James. And uh, yeah, we, we can go wherever you want to go with this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of the first times in the past, like five plus years that the NBA has had some level of parity. I'm really mm -hmm. excited about it. AD, you know, is man. He he actually used to practice down at Washington Square Park. Had Rex specs, all that. Oh wow! Um, yeah, uh, I I didn't know him personally, but I would be uh, we'd be practicing at the same time. He'd be doing some other stuff, and just kind of really watching him have a meteoric takeoff. If you tell me someone's from Chicago, I'm I'm always going to root for him just because of you know everything that people have to not battle, but you know the kind of grind that we all have sure. obviously it's a collective home unit like some people will hate on people's successes but you know i i anytime someone's successful i'm gonna be rooting for him and i'm, I'm happy he's gonna have an opportunity to really you know expose more of his talents and be in a bigger market where he you know be on tv more and you know be able to provide better for his family um and then just obviously being able to play alongside lebron james one of the greatest players of this generation and you know, it's going to offer, offer up so many more opportunities for him to be successful, and I couldn't be any happier for him um, in right. all regards. You know, and <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of jealous he's been able to live in New Orleans and L.A. But, uh, 
but you know I'm, I'm super happy for him as a player and as a person yeah and i mean it seems like anywhere and everywhere he goes he's still going to be repping shy town can i say that as someone who's from la <laughs> You know what? I've gotten to know you a little bit. I'll, I'll let you say it. Okay. All right. Can you tell me the proper? How, how do you say it? Did I say it right? Yeah, Chi-Town. Chi-Town. All right, cool. Yeah, we're from the Chi. <laughs> hey, well, if ever I come back to Chicago or visit, I'll check out Chicago Basketball Club. If you're ever in L.A., you can come visit me. I work at DreamWorks Animation. We got free lunch, so check you in anytime. We're actually thinking about coming out there. Uh, oh, yeah? Probably in like a month or so, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, hit me up for real. Definitely. That'd be I'll awesome. i do that. Hey, with that said, thank you once again, Tim, for hopping on this podcast. You know, I really appreciate your insight. I'm sure our listeners really appreciate it, especially because we didn't get to watch Taylor Horton Tucker play this summer. So it's good to just get this information and tidbits and just get excited all over again to just, you know, start training camp and and see what this kid's got, because it seems like he has so much to offer. So thanks again for hopping on. And um, any last words and anything you want to plug your, your Instagram handle, your Twitter handle, please go ahead and do so. Yeah, uh, at Chicago Basketball Club um, and at Timmy underscore B20. Please give it a follow. You're going to like the content that you see uh, working out with a bunch of guys and open gyms that have been going off. Awesome. Thanks, Tim, for hopping on, and uh, we'll catch you later. All right, look forward to it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.